0: Welcome to the Northgate Church podcast from the heart of Chester in the UK.
1: Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So, um, today it's the start of a new term and, um, and I wanted to start with this quote. Um, so... Um, the start of something new brings the hope of something great anything is possible so here we are at the start of a new term and a new academic year and the question that we've been asking was is what does god have for us in this new term and what does it look like And as a leadership team and um, a teaching team, we've sensed that it would be good for us to focus and to have a fresh understanding of who we are. What is our identity? So before we were born again, we were in the kingdom of darkness. And in this place, we had a certain mindset, a certain set of values, and a certain identity. But when we were transferred into the kingdom of light, when we were born again, every single person in this room was given a new identity, a new purpose, and we had access to everything that God promises us. And there are many, many things that he promises. The Passion Bible puts it like this. You, who are enfolded in Christ, have become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. A fresh order has come. And where it says, all that has related to the old order has gone, it means this. Your old identity is gone. Your old life of sin is gone. The power of Satan is broken over us. That religiosity of trying to please God with our good works has gone. And our old mindsets have gone. You and I are not simply refurbished or reformed, but were made completely new by our union with Jesus and by the indwelling Holy Spirit. And often, in those first few weeks and months of being born again, we feel full of joy and faith and we want to radically change the world, our family and our friends. But after some time, we find ourselves perhaps struggling with old habits We struggle with cares and worries and fear. And the abundant life of joy promised in the Bible seems to elude us. The Bible tells us that the way to come into all that God has for us is this. Romans 12.2 Do not be conformed any longer to the old pattern that you once belonged to, but... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Passion Bible, my favourite at the moment, says this. Be totally transformed by the Holy Spirit, by a total reformation of how you think. As you know, the word for transformed here is metamorphosis, and that's where we get our word, metamorphosis. And it doesn't speak about making something a little bit better. It talks about it becoming a completely new thing. And the example that's often given is the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. And in this season, we believe that that is what God wants to do in each one of us in an accelerated way. He wants to accelerate the transformation within us that has already begun when we were born again. And the tool that God wants to use, the the tool he tells us is the key to our transformation is the renewal Radical renewal of our mind. Okay, well that sounds great. Job done. I understand the principle. But my question is this. How on earth does that happen? How are we radically transformed? How do you renew your mind? Does it happen just by rocking up to church every Sunday? Does it happen by reading the word every day? Which is a good thing. Please don't misunderstand me on that. Does it happen? Um, Am I waiting for somehow the Holy Spirit to come upon me and suddenly I'm going to be changed? How do we change our mind in such a way that it leads to transformation? So, What I'm wanting to do today is this. Over the next term at least, um, Johnny, Guy, Steve, um, Joe, different ones, are going to come and tell us what our new identity in Christ is. They're going to help us, tell us what it is that when we were born again, Jesus has already made it, made us. But this morning, what I want to do is to give us the tools so that we can move from what we did think about ourselves and come into the fullness of all Jesus wants for every single person here. There isn't a person here that is not included in what Jesus wants to do in this church family. And he wants to establish in us who we are before he leads us into all that he wants us to do because what we do must come out of who we are not out of our own works otherwise it will will never it'll never work. So the first tool in having our mind radically transformed is this. I have to take ownership of what I think. And I have to say that in my early Christian life, I got this totally wrong because I thought that um, somehow it was God's job to change what I thought. So um, if I could give you some examples. There were times when I first came here and I'd just been born again a couple of years and God started saying things to me not loads of things but some things and he'd say really nice encouraging things to me well I didn't believe him I just thought well that can't be true because I know the truth and I thought it's a, it's a paradigm, I can't explain it to you. I knew God was speaking to me, but I thought that somehow if it was him, he would wave his magic wand and I would feel different, that I would be different. I did not realise for years that I was in control of what I thought. So I'd be reading my Bible every day, I'd be praying, I'd be coming here on every meeting there was, But still, the same old thoughts were continually going round in my mind. So one of the thoughts I used to think about myself, constantly I used to say to myself, Oh, Lynn, you are such a wally. And that word wally was full of contempt and disdain and distaste for me. And... Jesus would say things to me and I'd say, well, that can't be true because I know I'm a Wally. And it was like, every time I thought to myself, I'm a Wally, it was like I had a knife and I was stabbing myself with that thought. And it would go on and on for years because I did not realise that it was my job to own my thoughts and to change them. So that's the first, the first thing. But the second thing is, um, to me you're a Wally, I'm a Wally, that was the truth. Because, you know, things from my childhood had led me to that conclusion. So to me, that was the truth. And what Jesus was saying to me, I couldn't accept, I wouldn't accept. So the question then is, well, how do you know if what you're thinking about yourself or about a situation, or about another person, how do you know if it's a lie or if it's true? And the thing, the way you can measure if what you're thinking is true is this. What level of hope and life does that thought bring to you? If a thought brings condemnation and misery or anger and sadness or hopelessness, that thought is not from God and it is straight from the pit of hell. If God speaks to you, the thought that he says, even if he's in the middle of disciplining you, the thought always, always brings hope. So, if you are thinking, that's how you can measure um, negative thoughts, and in every situation that we are in, God always brings hope. So, if you think back to, um, if you think back to, you know, when the Israelites went into the land, and God wanted to take them from their bondage which is a picture of the kingdom of darkness, into the promised land. And God looked at the situation. He knew that there were giants in the land and that there would be um, enemies to be overcome. But he said to them, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with you and together we'll do it. But they believed the wrong thought, they believed the lies of the enemy. And it was like a chain around them and it kept them out of what God had for them. Similarly, God is never afraid to look at the hard realities of any situation that we are in. So in Ezekiel 47, he's got our dear friend Elijah and he shows them a valley of dead bones. Now, he shows him the dead bones. The the truth is, there is no life in them, there is no flesh on them, and they are dead. God faces the reality of the situation, but he tells Ezekiel, they can live. And so, in any situation, even the most dire circumstances that you and I might find ourselves in, there is hope. And our thoughts need to align ourselves with God. There is no situation and no person, yourself and myself included, that is lost to God. Um, Both God and the devil want you to agree with them. But God wants you to believe the truth so he can, the lies that we believe, They are like chains around us and they stop us becoming who we are intended to be and what we are intended to do. So then um, the third tool um, for transformation by radical renewal of the mind is this. It's um, Let's say you're in a situation let's say you're going to speak on a sunday morning let's take something and suddenly you find yourself feeling really nervous and really anxious and you know low-grade i don't know anxiety and um that's like a a light on your dashboard my car's just been in for a service because every time i turned the ignition on a little light would come up saying Your oil is in trouble. Get your oil sorted out. We're in real trouble. I thought, oh, this is going to be expensive. Anyway, it was fine. But um, when you feel something negative, it's like an indicator light that's saying there is something deep down within you where you are believing a lie. You're not believing the truth because your thoughts always lead to your feelings you never have a feeling without first having had a thought so if there's negative feelings going on we need to take time to slow down and say what is it that i'm believing that is then bearing the fruit of those feelings so um, we might think i haven't got enough money i'm going to lose my home I'm going to not be able to eat. I won't be able to pay the heating bill. And then fear takes hold of us, and that leads to anxiety. Or it might be, if I don't do what my friend wants me to do, she won't like me anymore. So I'd better do what she wants me to do, even though I know God would rather I do something else. Or we might think, oh, well, God doesn't really love me. I know he loves Gerald because Gerald's so this great, but he doesn't really love me. <laughs> <laughs> um, or you might think I'm no good at relationships. I can't make friends. You know, I'm just I'm better off on my own. I'll I'll keep people away. Or you might think there's absolutely no solutions to the situation I'm facing. Or you might think, well, I'm the only one that thinks this or does this. And all my other friends who are so spiritual, they never struggle with this, but I struggle with this. I'm the only one. And all of these lies, there's a myriad of lies that we can believe in. But we need to take the time to sort of slow down and think, why am I feeling like this? What is, what is it that I'm believing about myself, about God, about the situation I'm in, or about somebody else? What am I believing? And I would say to you, um, many of the lies that we believe um, are rooted in our past. Um, all of the lies we believe are rooted in our past because... As well as God being active in our lives from the moment we came into this world, the enemy's been active as well on the opposite side, trying to keep us from the kingdom of heaven. Um, And so I would say to you, let's say you think, um, well, God doesn't love me. Well, who told you that? Who told you that God doesn't love you? Who told you? Did God say... Iveta, I don't love you. Is that God? Or is that the enemy? Because the way, one of the ways God speaks to us is through our thoughts. And the way the enemy speaks to us is through our thoughts. So instead of running along like I did for years, believing the lies and just replaying them over and over and over and over in my head. We need to stop and say, well, what am I thinking? And who told me that? Did my mum tell me that? Did the school teacher tell me that? Did my friends tell me that? Well, who told my friends? Who told my friends I'm a horrible person? Who told you that God's never going to come through for you? It's like it's in Genesis 3, you know, um, when Adam and Eve, they were very happily, in Genesis 1 and 2, talking to God every day in the cool of the day, completely in their birthday suits. But then the enemy came along and tempted them to do whatever they did, and they hid from God because they believed the lie. And Jesus said to them, all, the father, who told you you were naked? Who put all that shame on you? Who had the audacity to shape you and your identity and your destiny by speaking lies to you that have kept you and I bound for years? in less than what God has for us. Well, in this season, God wants to come and set every single person free. So, having identified the lie, well, then what do you do? And the first thing, and this is a bit hard to explain, but the first thing is you have to be willing to jettison that lie. You have to be willing to believe that it's a lie and that it's not the truth. So I don't know why, but for many, many years, despite God speaking to me and verses from the Bible jumping out at me and people prophesying things from time to time, I would not let go of the lie because I thought it was the truth. I wasn't even prepared to look at the fact, well, this might be a lie. So you have to be willing to surrender the lie, even if you've been thinking it for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. God does not want you to be a prisoner one day longer because he's got good things in store for us. So you have to be willing to surrender it. And sometimes that can be quite scary because it's been your identity. Um, we we used to know a lady, Gerald and I, lovely lady, really lovely lady, um, and but she was crippled. Uh, you probably shouldn't say that, but she was. And um, I can remember a group of us praying that she would be healed, and there came a day when God healed her, and within perhaps a week, she was back to where she was, because being ill had become her identity and she wanted to hang on to that because she got lots of sympathy and lots of love and attention and i think she was frightened that if she let go of that identity she'd lose all of the love of her brothers and sisters which was not true that was another lie of the enemy but it can be quite scary to let go of lies that we've believed forever for as long as we've been alive however that is and the other thing is that when, you, when you've let go of the lie, well, believe you me, do you think the enemy goes home and says, all right, Lynn, I see that you've recognised I've been telling you lies all these years, I won't bother you anymore now. Which, which dream world are you living in if that's the case? Because the enemy comes around and around and around. But the thing is, we get stronger at resisting him because we recognise what's the lie and we recognise what's truth. And then the fourth step in renewing our mind is this. What is the truth about what God says about you, or about the situation, or about the person, or about the world, or about anything that we're facing? What is the truth? And sometimes it's not obvious, you know, I might, um, so sometimes when I've recognized a lie, I don't necessarily instantly know what the truth is. It might be something in my Bible, but sometimes I'll just say, well, Lord, I'm really struggling here. This is what I think. What do you say? What is the truth to replace the lie? And God will always answer that prayer. It doesn't always come in the next 10 seconds, but he will always give you the truth with which to oust the lie or to fill the place that the lie once occupied. And how that comes, God speaks in a myriad of ways, but he will speak and he will tell us the truth. So, you know, I just want to prepare us because when these speakers come and speak truth to us, That's truth that God wants us to take hold of and run with so that we run into all that he has for us. Um, And then once we've owned that I'm responsible for what's in my thinking, um, measured my thoughts by the level of hope that they carry, identified the lie been willing to let go of it, and established what is the truth that God now wants me to take hold of, we then have to renew our mind with that. And as I've sort of alluded to, that is a process. And often, the thing I think that has helped me the very most in this process is to speak out declarations. And... I declare the truth, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Um, In Romans 4.17, it says that Jesus calls those things that are not as though they are. He brings the reality of truth into me by what I speak. And so every day, I use the word of God and the words that God has spoken to me as a sword. And the thing about a sword is you're meant to kill something with it. It's not there just for looking beautiful, nice and shiny. I've got one upstairs. I meant to bring it down, but anyway. Um, it is, it's an offensive weapon. And with the sword, we are to kill The thoughts that have been holding us captive for years. It is the truth of God. And we need to speak the truth whether we believe it or not. Darling, have you got those declarations? They're on the screen. Okay. Okay. And the other thing I would say is at the beginning, it is really hard. So, my, my future is going to be better than my past and I have the power to make it so. Or God says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Or God says he has plans for me, plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Now at the beginning, if you've been thinking a lie for 10, 20, 30 years. It's like um, if you take a glass of water and put your finger around the inside of the rim continually, you will create a whirlpool. If you then put your finger in and try to go the other way, you will encounter resistance. But as you do it, more and more and more, the neural thought pattern, the truth will form a new way within you and it will begin to feel, your feelings will follow what you believe. So even when it feels not right, so an example in the Bible would be Gideon. Um, And Gideon was called to deliver the Israelites from their enemies, the Philistines. And He's hiding in the winepress, thinking, I'm weak, I don't want to go anywhere near my enemies, they're going to kill me. And the angel arises and says, stand up, mighty warrior. Well, at that point, Gideon didn't look like a mighty warrior. But as he came to believe what God was saying, he became the mighty warrior. And he stepped into who he was And then out of who he was, he did what he was called to do, which was deliver Israel. He did a mighty act out of a mighty identity. And this is what God wants to do among us. It takes time, it takes intentionality, There are no shortcuts. I have looked for many years. I've tried to find the instant way to become a transformed person. And I can assure you there isn't one, not one that I found. And if you found it, please come and see me afterwards. But this is a journey that all of us, we're already on, but all of us, God is calling every one of us into this journey because He wants to take the chains off that have limited us with a wrong identity. And then because he has great purposes, great plans for every single person in this church body. So I have invited my dear brother, Andy, who is also on this journey, and he has agreed to come and share how his journey has been just recently.
0: Thanks, Lynn. So some of you may know, well, 2022 has been an interesting year. And it started in January where I hit a total point of ministry burnout, which was fun. So that is when you turn up and all the things that used to um, were life-giving are life-draining. So I resented um, worship and leading worship, was. I just felt like I was empty, couldn't come to church, I had a black plaster of like fake face on to kind of do all this business, um, couldn't write songs, just, I was totally just, the, the well was dry. And um, I needed some help and with the thanks of Gerald and Lynn and the rest of the leadership team give me some time off for a sabbatical, I thought, oh great, sabbatical, three-month holiday, yes. But, I no, don't mine was not like that, because I really wanted to come out uh, changed, the other side, and so what I had to do is do quite a lot of soul searching. I don't know if you've ever done soul searching, it's not fun, <laughs> because, but then what you've got to do, what I felt God was was doing was... um leading me, kind of, I went out for lots of walks and listened to some teaching, and I felt God was leading me through my history, and so all the things that have popped up here about believing lies, I believed so many lies about myself, that I was a failure as a husband or as a, as a dad because I didn't have a stable job, or because I'm, I'm a musician, aside from the work I do here, I am a professional musician, which, COVID, <laughs> Screwed. So I I felt really really low, and then um, I know God kind of, and there were some lies I believed about him. I thought that God was a real judgy, disapproving father, and every day when I messed up, God would be like, well, that's another day that you've not done the right thing, Andy, therefore you're never going to walk into the purposes I have for you because you've screwed up. And so I had to really take hold of some of these lies that I'd been believing that had actually shaped me for about 20 years and kind of take them off. And that's hard because they can be really ingrained So have to remove those. Um, and yeah, and then I've come, come through the other side. It very much is still a work in progress, so hear that. But then that was followed up with a trip with um, the Worship Songwriters Retreat, which I go to every year. So I'm part of a group called Resound Worship. And um, one of these songwriters retreats is where I wrote the song that we sang this morning. And I just felt God really, like, validate me again as a musician and as a creative and as a worship leader and as a songwriter. And I met with other folks when I was away and realized I didn't have to do this by myself as well. So I'm now doing co-writes and things like that. And Yeah, it's been, it's, it's tricky. And then occasionally things will come to try and test that. So my work that I've enjoyed and I've played as a resident pianist at the Queen Hotel for 12 years lost that job now because of cuts and things and so I was like okay, that was a real test mm-hmm. I had that email two weeks ago and so I go, like okay right so what does this mean and I had about an hour of feeling pretty fed up but I was able to kind of nip that in the bud pretty quickly and not start believing all the lies again so yeah, Fantastic. work in progress but getting there, Brilliant. I'll leave it there Thank you,
1: Thank you. So this is the journey that God has for all of us. Everyone is included. If you think I'll never make it, this is not for me, that is the first lie that you need to deal with. Can I just can I just pray for us? Could we could we all stand? Mm. Father, I just so thank you that you are not done with a single solitary person here and that lord the exact opposite is true you have got really good things for every single person man woman and child that is here today and lord jesus i pray that over these weeks and months ahead that we will you will help us to go on this journey with you to leave behind the lies that have limited us for so many years. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will take each and every one of us into freedom and into all that you say we are and all that you have for us to do. Lord, we want to partner with you in this journey. Thank you, Lord, that you have new things for this church family. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Northgate Church podcast. Find out more at northgate.org.uk or find us on social media by searching Northgate Church in Chester.